Welcome to the Leverage Your Potential podcast. This podcast is hosted by the director and assistant director of Menlo College's Office of Internships, Career Services, and Study Abroad, Dylan Hool and Kelly Davis, in partnership with Menlo's Content Creation Club. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of the Leverage Your Potential podcast. I'm your host today, Menlo College's Assistant Director of Career Services and Study Abroad, Kelly Davis. Happy to be here today with my co-host, Bianca Barros. Hey there, Bianca. She's smiling. Hi there. (laughs) There we go. Um, Very happy to be here. We have a wonderful guest today. We have Sabrina Degon, who works at Box. Sabrina, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Sabrina. Um, I work at Box, as stated. Um, I've been there for about a year or so. Um, Been in the Bay Area my whole life. Um, And so just kind of came back here after college, after moving to the Silicon Valley. Sorry, not Silicon Valley, Central Valley. So many valleys. Um, (laughs) And I'm now starting my postgraduate career in tech. So that's been really fun. Right on. And do you want to remind us, Serena, what your role at Box is at the moment and what kind of work it is you do there? Yeah, so my role is called the University Recruiting Coordinator. Um, So university recruiting is essentially um, any entry level hiring between like zero to two years. So students are the market for that. Um, And the reason I say zero to two years is because when students are in school, I mean, you can't expect them to have multiple years of experience in an industry, right? Um, So it's really about bringing in those students for internships and postgraduate work. So, yeah. Awesome. Here at Leverage Our Potential, we're really curious about career paths. Can you tell us and describe your journey from graduating from college to where you are now? Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, it's definitely been a journey, um, very up in the air, and I've fully embraced that. It's definitely okay to have a very scrappy journey after college. Um, You know, we go to college with this notion that, um, you know, we're going to be secured with a job. And so sometimes when that doesn't happen, people start to panic a little bit, um, me included a little bit. (laughs) Um, What I actually did first was um, travel. You know, that's one of my big passions. And so for me, I was like, I've spent 20 years in school. Like I definitely need to give some time back to myself and, you know, the workforce will be there (laughs) when I come back. Um, So I traveled for a whole month in Europe. That was very lovely. I'm glad I did that. Um, And when I came back, I started my job hunting journey. Um, You know, I did the usual spray and pray, just applying to everything. Um, But through that, I really got to learn a lot about understanding my values, what I want in a job, um, because I actually had kind of a flex offer with like an asset management company. So for some context, I majored in business and sociology. Um, And so when I think about business, I think about finance and like the stock market. And so I veered that way, assuming, you know, that was something I would be interested in. And, you know, the more I was sitting on that job offer, I was like, I don't wake up in the morning excited about the stock market. (laughs) And that's okay. That's just (laughs) my journey personally. Um, But I think you discover a lot about putting so much time and thought into what's my next step? Because it is a big step, you know? And while we're young, we can switch it up every once in a while. Um, It was really important to me to really identify with the work I'm doing because that's what's gonna get me up every day. Um, And so that's when I looked into more like recruiting because as I'll talk about maybe later, um, it matched a lot of what I was doing in school. So a lot of leadership positions, a lot of mentorship, a lot of diversity and inclusion work. Um, so finding those similarities and things I was already using my outside time, um, being involved in, uh, was really helpful for me. So yeah, I applied to box. It was a pretty quick process. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, I feel like I've been really lucky to just stumble upon that role at the time I did, um, because I can't see myself in another career, at least for now. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, thanks for sharing all of that. I, it's it's interesting how many of us end up have in the past. You know, I've heard we've heard many stories of people kind of stumbling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's very lucky for us to do so, of course. Um, but I think it also says something that there just are so many opportunities out there and you don't really know until you have gotten into the job market and you've, or you've been looking and there are all these different titles and whatnot. And I've said that a couple of times on different podcast episodes. <laughs> so whoever's listening consistently is probably like, all right, Kelly, we get it. Definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, the whole thing that I encourage students to do as well is, like, not only are you trying to prove yourself for a role that you're really interested in getting to know, you're also, like, interviewing the company, right? Like, you Mm want to make sure it's a good fit for you, not just, like, I know I'm fit for this, because it's so much more than the job. It's the people, it's, you know, the company, what it stands for, Um, so the bigger picture of it all. Yeah, definitely. And so we are going to jump into digging into what it was you were doing when you were in college. But before that, you mentioned a little bit of travel and I'm really curious to know what your favorite destination was in that trip. Oh, okay. So when I went to Europe, I flew into Madrid and then we spent New Year's in Barcelona and then we went to Paris and that was, I'd say probably my favorite only because I've always had dreams of going there. And so in high school, I was like studying French because of that. I knew my parents went there for their honeymoon when they got married. So I've always idolized about it. And so I think I just lived up to all of that like anticipation when I got there. Um, So that was quite a dream. Um, But I'd say maybe overall, like location wise, I really enjoyed Denmark. Um, Probably some of the nicest international people I've ever met. Um, so I went to Copenhagen, we went to Aarhus, we even went to Belund, which is, I hope I'm saying that right, but the hometown of like Lego, the, the toy. <laughs> so like wow. meeting like the founding family and they're like, um, they're organizing this new museum that's very interactive. And I was like 20 years old walking around all these kids running around but <laughs> it was it was great um living up my childhood dreams but That's I'd sick. definitely say probably Denmark was the most overall great experience yeah and it sounds like you got to go a couple different places in Denmark yep. which is more than I can say Copenhagen <laughs> I love and go there yeah. again in an instant but um that's really neat mm-hmm. uh so jumping back to your college days and what you were doing then So you went to the University of California and you were super engaged. Uh, You were vice president for Alpha Kappa Psi, Mm -hmm. um, as well as a number of different uh, organizations, if I'm recalling correctly. Can you Mm -hmm. describe to us how those experiences impacted your career or or getting into your career, kind of going in a little bit more depth based on what you said? Um, And uh, talk about what other skills you ended up gaining outside of the classroom. Oh yeah, that's a huge part. <laughs> and I feel like I always say it, but I've definitely learned so much more outside the classroom than inside. And that's not to say like, don't go to class, definitely go to class. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, I'd say like life skills, things that I still apply um, to my work and my relationships every day has definitely been super valuable in that sense. Um, so I'm just going to start from the beginning. Like Freshman year was actually not very involved with anything. And for me, it was like, I'm here to study, get good grades, just do my job, right? Um, And then I realized I wasn't gaining a lot of like perspective through that. And so it was time to start juggling extracurriculars and stuff like that. Um, And a lot of it was kind of like, you know, a job hunting experience. It's like discovering what communities you want to be a part of, what projects and research opportunities you want to have like a hand in. Um, And so I was probably in about like six different clubs, just attending, learning, observing, meeting people. Um, And that to me reminds me a lot of interviewing, you know, like figuring out like the spaces you wanna be in, the people you can rely on and see as mentors. Um, So I joined a lot of like ethnic clubs, like 
the Filipino American Alliance because I'm Asian American. Um, I also hopped on to this research um, where we were implementing community-based theater to the city of Merced um, and finding out how we can showcase like like farmer stories and getting people involved. So that was interesting. It was very fun. Um, yeah, and, and it was a merge of um, my performer side. So I've actually been performing since I was four. And so I feel like, you know, the different identities within myself, I was trying to find in different groups and spaces. Um, and that's always a nice connection point when you can relate to what you're doing. Um, and then within these like orgs, I started getting like leadership positions. So I was treasurer at one point for the Filipino American Lions. I was interning for a campus activities board. So all the event planning that goes on on campus, like concerts and comedy shows, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I started getting into professionalism because I was like, okay, this school is pretty small. Um, if, you, if you know, UC Merced is the youngest UC campus right now in 21st century. Um, and so I was like, there's not very much alumni to look up to. And so what can I do for myself to make sure like I'm going to be a good alumni for the people after me? Um, and so it just really dawned on me that there's no real preparation in class that shows us how to, you know, come prepared to an interview, how to hold a conversation, how to translate, you know, what we're doing in a cohesive and receptible way to like interviewers and how to carry yourself, all of that. Um, and so that's when I got involved with Alpha Kappa Psi, which is um, a global organization that is open to all majors. And it's really to emphasize the importance, uh, the importance of business and professionalism. Um, and I guess I was really hooked because I started getting a lot of um, leadership positions within that. Um, and so, you know, creating workshops, finding out that I love public speaking, um, and then also teaching people and providing value was the huge um, bigger picture for me. Um, and so just to get a full circle around this, um, a lot of what I stick to in college, such as mentorship, oh, I also did a lot of mentorship. So um, there's a job called the Success Mentor Program, which essentially um, you get hired to be a mentor and then you mentor first year students transitioning into college. And uh, especially UC Merced, which is a very um, big campus for like undocumented students and people in underrepresented backgrounds, like they're most likely first generation students and myself included. So um, really giving them again that mentorship, that guidance um, that may be different than going to a professor, right? So. Um, doing a lot of that kind of work, um, I found really applicable to not just recruiting, but university recruiting. So giving people a great experience, um, providing them value with tangible things they can apply in their lives, um, and then really promoting this, you know, entry level, diversifying the workplace, um, bridging these opportunities to students. So I really enjoyed <laughs> what I did in college. And so it's great that I still feel in touch with a lot of those experiences and can be a helping hand to students that, you know, may not have gotten the guidance or need a little bit of empowerment. So um, I hope I can be a testimony to figuring those things out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I identify with so many things that you have said. I was also not involved in my freshman year. <laughs> yeah. And then once I decided to do so, I was involved in everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we started getting hooked on things. And I, I'm also very interested in professionalism. And that's why I apply for a job in the career services. Mm -hmm. And I also find that it, it's very rewarding to be able to advise people in, in small ways. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and I, what you're doing is a, it's much bigger, but it's it's really empowering to empower others. It's yes. one of the things that, that I keep with me as a value, and, and it's, that's really nice. I'm also curious to know, what is your job as a university recruiter coordinator? Like, do yeah. you actively work as a recruiter, a recruiter, or you're more on, like, coordinating side? <laughs> yeah. Like, how does your typical day work look like? 
yeah so I'm not a recruiter yet so I don't do the hiring I don't do the offer process I don't do the interviewing um so did you just say I don't do the oh the onboard process I heard the awkward process oh it's an offer <laughs> sorry offer process <laughs> I thought no, that was funny <laughs> sorry oh. Um, hopefully I'm not getting an awkward process, but <laughs> um, a lot of what I do is, um, I mean, in general, I'd say it's very specific to box and in my role specifically, um, but bare minimum is like helping the interview process. So whether that's coordinating the interviews, reaching out to candidates, um, pipeline flows, so going through resumes, those are the kind of things that I help manage. Um, but specifically at Box, I've been given the opportunity to really think about candidate experience. Um, and we've, you know, all um, experienced this together with like, you know, bringing student groups to our headquarters and showing them Box. And so that's a lot of branding opportunities and really, you know, again, drawing back to providing value. Um, and so having that in-person experience, that really immersive, fulfilling, wow, like I could see myself in something like this or like, wow, Box really is a cool place to be. Um, so thinking about like how candidate experience really leaves a lasting impression. So even if it's just these emails that I write, you know, it's, I feel like it helps the world go around if I'm like empowering students and answering their, <laughs> their job questions like, oh, what's on the roadmap for, for Box? What are you gonna hire for soon? Um, and so, yeah, that's a lot of what I've done here. Um, it's actually kind of shifted a little bit, which makes Box, like other medium-sized tech companies, really scrappy. Um, so university recruiting has essentially expanded to recruiting programming. Um, so while we don't have just one team for university efforts now, we're using all the models that we've used to scale recruiting processes. So for example, usually one like one cycle recruiting is one job opens, you kick that off, you know, you find candidates for it. Um, and then, you know, if five more come up on different timelines, you have to manage each one in, in its own way. Um, but we've done a lot of batch pooled hiring and university recruiting since it's pretty seasonal and we know like, okay, students are gonna apply in the fall because they wanna make sure they have job offers in the spring um, or like, you know, students will start applying after, New Year's because they're going to graduate soon and they want a job after May, June. Um, so in that sense, it gives us a lot of wiggle room to do more strategic hiring on like a large um, scale. And we've give, been given the opportunity to do that across recruiting now. So actually one of the cool things right now is our software engineering pool hiring. Um, so instead of having all these software engineering roles open up, we're now doing all of all at once, which is being like really efficient on our time, the interviewer's time, the candidate's time, applying to all these different roles um, and being assigned to different recruiters um, and thinking more big. Um, and so now I've actually shifted my role a little bit to supporting the candidate experience team where I'm helping redefine what coordination is because normally the team of recruiting coordinators are just doing interview scheduling mostly 24 seven um, from their nine to five, but now we're incorporating project work. You know, how do I project manage this? How do I present this hypothesis to change this, you know, tool that we use for a more efficient way. Um, and then also introducing some in university opportunities. So right now we have the interns. And so I've tapped in a couple of my team members to help me with the event planning, um, you know, how to retain um, remote interns for once. Um, <laughs> never had that before. So like thinking more broadly about candidate experience. So I'd say my role has definitely evolved. It's definitely not the same. I'm not doing head, like HQ tours anymore, sadly with COVID-19, um, but it's given me a lot of time to think about, um, you know, auditing our recruiting process and like what should be standardized, what we should do from here on out. Um, and a lot more project management. So um, yeah, just lots of cool projects on the side rather than just doing interview coordination all day. It's, it's really interesting how this, um, this kind of really defining moment in 
kind of company evolution or organization <laughs> evolution wherever you're working it's really allowing us all I think to kind of expand on different mm -hmm. skills and and explore yeah. different things mm -hmm. um so bravo to box for keeping on those <laughs> interns yeah that was oh, <laughs> such a breath of fresh air because unfortunately so many students have you know had their offers revoked and that's just the state of the business sometimes sadly and box two i mean we've done some cutbacks of our own um but you know our people are really important to us and so um if we're all remote like we don't see the harm in having interns being remote either um and so really making sure we're not you know not not being that advocate for students like we usually are um so yeah it's been quite a journey you know there's engagement both live over zoom and offline via slack <laughs> but sure. it's, it's a programming we've always been curious about right it's like if we're gonna have interns you know year long um how can we do this remotely um so this whole virtual programming thing is new but something we've always been curious about so to your point it's yeah it's given us a lot of time to rethink like what we're capable of doing, um, what's possible. And of course, with the <laughs> constraints we have now, like is an option we ha have to turn to. So thankfully it's worked and thankfully we can keep it up. For sure. Yeah, I think humanity is realizing just how quickly we can adapt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I mean, with all of this happening, it's some there are pros and cons to being remote, right? Um, mm -hmm. And one of them, I'm sure, I mean, we were lucky enough to go on one of the uh, HQ tours yeah. just last fall, and I'm hoping that'll help happen again, you know, in the future. Um, I'm gonna make sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, my favorite part, well, I loved the gummy bears. Those really <laughs> Great snacks at Box, but <laughs> uh, so it's been a really very impressive headquarters. I mean, you guys mm -hmm. have that interior designer do yeah they um there was a theme on every floor it was beautiful it was <laughs> fun uh what do you miss most about uh being there physically yeah. in the workspace oh a lot <laughs> the first thing when um i heard this question was like food in caps like f-o-o-d oh um, so you and i Definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and just for the, the listeners right now, if you don't know, Box, like other tech companies, provide free food for lunch and sometimes dinner, um, along with all the snacks everywhere, <laughs> like excessive amount of snacks. And that's always been a big plus for me because it's one less thing I have to worry about as someone who's going about their day. You know, I don't have to go out during my lunch break and buy food on my own money. Um, it's allowing me to just focus on other things. And, and a lot of the time that was like my work. So it, it was definitely very beneficial. Um, but if we're really getting into it <laughs> besides the food, um, I would definitely say, you know, the people. Um, and Box is really big on its people, what we call boxers. Um, culture is so big and it's quite, I'd say it's quite an emotional place to be at in the sense where, relationship building is really important at box and so one-on-ones are really important to us and you know while we have that on zoom still we have like 30 minute zoom calls with people we want to stay connected with um it's really the in-betweens that kind of make the memories sometimes so you know going to each other's desks or like hey like come to the kitchen with me get some popcorn um or hey i need a breather what you want to walk around the block outside and you know get some sunshine um so i think i miss those moments the most um because it's just it's just not the same like it it can be compensated for over zoom but um not everything so i'd say i definitely just miss being around everyone having those spontaneous conversations about random things <laughs> usually not about work um but um feeling that culture in person is a huge part totally i I think there's there's no way we can have a spontaneous Zoom call and a lot of <laughs> and a yeah, lot of things. Kind of scheduled now. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm trying to figure out how we can. To be honest, I'm like, how can I? <laughs> there's got to be a way. <laughs> and I, I I totally miss that as well. Just like 
as a student it's a part of like being on campus and, yep, yep. and being able to just like knock on somebody's door because we all live together you know yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy and you mentioned that you you guys are adapting uh, really quickly and mm -hmm. to put all the interns on board in their remote work and what about yourself like how are you coping with mm. your own remote work and your like work-life balance which seems to be a lot more difficult right now mm. and also when we're looking to the future a lot of tech companies have already announced like twitter or facebook and google that they will allow a lot more remote work from mm. now on is box going on the same direction yeah great questions um so your first question was about this work from home shift that we've all had to do um, as non-essential workers. Um, so for me, it's been quite a wave. Like, I think at first it was kind of exciting. I was like, this is different, you know, got me on my toes. Like now I gotta adapt. Um, and then after a while I was like, this is harder than I thought. Um, and then it kind of sinks in. Um, and for me personally, I live back at home with my family. So I have two siblings that are both in high school. So, you know, they're definitely going through it <laughs> with their school and everything. Um, and then my mom's around. So um, learning how to coexist with everyone has been a whole feat in itself too. So it's not just me I'm worrying about anymore, like waking up, going to work, dealing with everything at work, coming home and knowing that there's designated family time. Um, now everything is kind of merged into one, you know, like in the beginning, my mom would like walk in to my Zoom meetings. I'm like, I'm working like, <laughs> so um, it's been quite a shift because especially me personally, I've made a good boundary between what I do at home and what I do at work. So when I'm home, I don't do work. It's definitely my wind down time. And so now that it's, two and one, I've definitely had to rethink what that means for me. Um, excuse me. Um, and so it's been hard, but I think a lot of it has brought this huge learning opportunity um, to what this kind of work looks like. And people go remote, like fully, but that's also their decision to go fully remote. <laughs> and so I've always wondered, like, I wonder how it is to just work from home all the time. And now we know um <laughs> whether you like it or not um and so box has been really supportive thankfully it is a tech company so everything is already in the cloud as we know um you know really easy to switch um from the office to home um but i'd say box has been really good about being strategic about transparency so you know whenever there's covid cases happening in different locations they alert us if a boxer happened to get one in another country like you know they definitely put everyone on lockdown right away um thankfully there hasn't been one that i know of in this area here in california of a boxer getting it um <laughs> but they've actually allowed remote work until um january 2021 as well so we are in that tech company bandwagon of making it optional. Um, so even if we do uh, lift down shelter in place and we're able to come in person, they're gonna do it in waves. Um, you know, the workers that need to come in will come in first and then it'll kind of like release by org um, who comes in next, but it's optional. So it's a quote unquote work from anywhere anywhere that is an approved location. We can't just like go to another country and vacation and work at the same time, um, but it's optional. So it really gives people that ability to work at their comfort. So if any, you know, if everything goes back to quote unquote normal <laughs> um, and we still feel uncomfortable, we won't be, um, you know, we won't get in trouble if we don't want to come in just yet. So it's great that Box is uh, really supportive of all of this. Totally. I, I wonder, <laughs> thank you, Kelly. I wonder <laughs> if in the future, this thing of like taking a vacation and, and working remotely will become a thing. Mm -hmm. And I just saw on the news that Estonia has created a new type of work visa. Is that mm -hmm. you can come in and live, have a one year work visa in Estonia and just stay there working remotely. And, oh. they, uh, and they were predicting that this will be a trend on in the future. Whoa. And I just want to say that I would be oh, totally down awesome. to do that. 
So I, I, I know that now Box doesn't approve it, but I, I'm curious that it, maybe in the future this will become a thing. Yeah, it's definitely um, brought up a lot of conversations around this new, like, what does work from home flexibility mean? Um, because a lot of people were already working from home at least once or twice a week. Um, and, you know, depending on their living situation. Um, so now it's like, okay, what's the new minimum? Like, what can we do? Like, we've definitely tested the waters on what it is to work remotely. And it seems like we've <laughs> upkept everything we've needed to do. So what does that mean for, you know, the usual policy of coming in and when not to come in? So totally, I would love that because I'm a very like free spirited person. I will be anywhere and everywhere if I could. <laughs> and if, yeah. if work can be flexible with that, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that is a challenge, right? Estonia's, I mean, thinking about the, the time differences, I'm sure that's where it gets complicated because Estonia's 10 hours ahead of California. And I, I think you'd have to be a night owl to want to work on that time. But it's, uh, I now I'm totally going on a tangent, but it's just making me, it's been making me think a lot about um, kind of our, the way international education is going as well. So sorry, total tangent, but Oh, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, if if we're going to have to be thinking about like if for whatever reason student mobility is limited during mm -hmm. a specific time and maybe airlines end up being more expensive from here out, who knows how this, the overall impact is going to, what the overall impact is going to be. Then having countries do something like that, a work visa that's a little bit more flexible means that we might that there's more possibility for people who weren't able to pursue something like study abroad will still be able to get kind of a international mm -hmm. intercultural experience yeah um it's not so that's super cool thanks for putting that on the radar yeah, Bianca. yeah. <laughs> and and that's such a good point because you know with that that topic and and all of this work from home stuff going on because of covid like it's it's prime time for all of that stuff. You know, we definitely could not have made the shift as a society and as a world <laughs> if, you know, technology has not evolved to what it is now. So um, we should definitely <laughs> think more on this um, on a global scale because th those are really good ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, doing a, a little bit of a shift, Sabrina, mm -hmm. and moving away from from box and remote work, well, maybe yeah. remote work's involved, but <laughs> um, what are some of the things that are, that you're really excited about your career roadmap, so to speak, about your potential career future? Um, mm -hmm. What's the next milestone that you are currently trying to work on? Yeah, so um, promotion always, <laughs> um, and I think that just really stems from my my passion to grow and to constantly be a student of whatever I'm doing and whatever I'm involved in. So um, it's something that I, I like to label myself as a student. You know, I'm always here to learn. I'm always here to grow. Um, and so, you know, being in a career is no exception to that. So I definitely want to keep it, the trajectory going. Um, so I guess my next uh, goal would be a university recruiter or maybe like a program manager. So like helping scale programs and think of new programs and thankfully I've had the opportunity to touch some of that stuff um, where like all the way from the strategy to like actually planning the whole program and the week and like what it looks like um, so it's I've had the opportunity to touch all these things and know that this is compelling to me I like seeing a problem and solving it um, but also knowing that it draws dear to my heart with um, providing that value once again so empowering students um thinking about like okay this is a great program at scales but like what are the larger implications does it um have like you know does it support diversity and inclusion does it provide a good message is it branding is it more professional development overall um so really thinking about those themes as well is something i know i want to be a part of and so wherever it, it helps me end up I know that like I've done my work in something that is dear to my heart. So yeah. And kind of bouncing off that, do you, do you, how far ahead do you kind of look when you are thinking about your career trajectory? Do you tend to have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or <laughs> does it kind of stick more maybe the next two or three years out? 
Yeah. Um, I'd say I have like general goals for like, you know, the increments of 10 years of my life. Um, because I find that whenever I do start to plan for something, let's say in a year, the great thing about life is everything that I've projected and like predicted about it doesn't end up happening. <laughs> and, and I don't think that should be scary. Um, you know, whether it's your professional life or your personal life, you know, a year ago, I could not have guessed this had happened with COVID and like where I am in my career. So it just comes to show how much life evolves and, you know, our values do and how we're swayed by that. Um, so I'd say I really do plan for maybe like six months because that's really all I have control over. And especially with how scrappy boxes specifically, um, not that it's a bad thing. It's just there's things changing and evolving all the time. Um, and that's a super exciting space for me to be in because I feel like I'm catching things and running with it, right? And like making the best of the situation as I can. Um, so I think I lead thematically in my life. Um, I know that I want to, you know, grow my career. I know that I personally, I want to live in another country. Like I know that um, I want to be able to like settle down eventually. So these are just my personal goals. And so I'm more... Um, motivated by possibly like my day-to-day then like okay this is a big goal and this is like the steps I have to take towards it and I think it's a little unconventional in a way <laughs> not very solid framework but it's what works for me because I know I'm resonating with what I feel compelled to and I gravitate towards so I feel like if I follow that like I'm always not going to regret what I end up deciding to do. I don't think it's unconventional at all. I mean, maybe it's, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess in a way it, it is technically, but I, th- I really, I think uh, I resonate with what you're saying and that it's, you, you make a plan and then it kind of flips over on its head <laughs> when you weren't expecting, and you're like, oh, okay. So um, yeah. I always, I find it interesting, the question that sometimes we get in interviews, right? That the, what are you, where do you plan to be in five? What do you, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm, I've always stuck with the answer, like, I'm not sure. (laughs) But I know what I want now. (laughs) Or, you know, I have ideas, like there's a couple things that may be in the crystal ball, but um, so I just wanted to address, I think you have a great way of also articulating how you, how you look at it thematically. Mm, Yeah. So, and also. I don't think I heard that part. Oh, see you in Estonia. Oh, because you said you want to live in another country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got to do my research on that now. (laughs) It's so funny. But it also, what you said on six months, I love that. I think I I have been doing that in my life as well, even with my my college decision. And this just reminds me as a side comment, uh, I went to a women professional conference and Mm -hmm. there was this woman, her name was Lisa Lambert. And she's the founder and CEO of Upward, which is like a women's yeah. supporting executives. And it's a foundation, a nonprofit. And I remember she was saying, and she was talking about her own career path. And she said, when I was in high school, I sat down and I did my 40-year career plan. Well, in high school? And I, <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm like, I'm too late already. I found it so impressive. And I think I think I also take the same approach, you know, we we going thematically about things and, and just going with the same vision, right? And and always going places that will serve our own purpose. And we were talking about purpose, one of my favorite questions to ask in mm-hmm. podcast yep. is a little bit about your own why and yeah, just more existential. So when you think you, I think you seem very passionate about professional development and education and student empowerment. But when we frame the question in another direction, what kind of what problem in the world are you most passionate about solving? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm super passionate about all this stuff, <laughs> um, and it reminds me now of something I said in col- not college, um, high school. Now that we're talking about high school. Um, that someone was like, what do you want to major in in college, you know? And at the time I didn't know because I'm in high school. I'm like, I have time, right? (laughs) 
Um, and my biggest answer was just like, I want to keep giving back. Like, I just want to give back. And people are like, but how? And I'm like, I don't know yet, but I'm going to give back like somehow. Um, so I, I see that in a lot of different ways in my life and especially in my career, because that's something that I spend so much time on, you know, we're working all the time, nine to five, Monday to Friday. And so that's a, a big chunk of our life. <laughs> and so if I can constantly make that connection between, am I giving back? Am I, you know, like, like handing things off better than I found it? Um, that gives me a lot of purpose. And so whether it's, you know, providing these opportunities to students or like, helping spearhead this big diversity and inclusion program that we run yearly, which is called the Box Business Fellowship. Um, so it's geared towards students in underrepresented backgrounds to learn about tech, especially the non-technical side of tech. And this huge question of like, but I'm not an engineer, like where's my space in the tech industry? And it's like, actually a lot of it, um, not like not even more than half of all the people, especially at Box are like they are non-technical so the business part like the things that actually run the company um of course the product <laughs> but also the people behind it that make it happen so um i think really just pushing the message sorry i'm a very thematic person <laughs> very big picture so i might not get too granular with these questions um but i mean now now more than ever recently, the past couple of weeks, it's like, how can I be a better ally? How can I be a better activist? How can I stand up for things I believe in, you know? And so um, thankfully I've gotten the chance to do that a lot at work. Um, so Box is doing something called the Ben Eyelash, ben Eyelashship Circle. Um, so Ben is our employee resource group called the Black Excellence Network. Um, so it's for all people that identify Black and their allies. Um, and they've spearheaded like an allyship circle. So talking about how to be anti-racist and like all the resources we need. And like within the first week, there was this whole reference doc of like things to watch, things to read, things to listen to, like like all of this stuff, um, where, where to donate. And so for me, if I can like, be that one person that makes a stand and can be behind a company that believes so um, and encourages it. Like that gives me a lot of purpose. Um, so yeah, just, just speaking on that a little bit. Um, let's see. My why is, um, I'm also thinking about for some reason, sustainable living. <laughs> it all fits in, right? I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of wise. <laughs> um, so recently I'm just making the switch to like plastic free, which is something I've always been really curious about. This is super random, but you know, like from my toothbrush to like, you know, our sponges that we wash the dishes with, um, like things that reduce, like reduce the use of plastic um, and like telling people about that. Um, what else? Am I, I feel like I'm just going on a tangent now. <laughs> Please bring me back to earth. <laughs> I think you've touched on a lot of really excellent things. While you remain thematic and kind of your, your core is to give yeah. back, um, you touched on a lot of really important uh, themes to go with thematic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to you and also to the world. And um, I mean, yeah, definitely diversity, equity, and inclusion, and focusing on being a good ally to uh, Black people um, is a big theme in this moment, but also I, I love how you also touch about the sustainability piece, um, because those are all things, and it's they come from really, really big problems that are so hard to think about sometimes, um, but are, and it's important how to, to figure out how we can incorporate them. And I think that having something at your core that tells you I need to give back in some way and, and that's how I'm, that's my purpose. And being able to use that as kind of an avenue for how you get involved in those initiatives is really great. So thank totally. you. Um, I always think about it as like, of course, as we've said, these are huge concepts, you know, like so like far off, so systematic um so it's like if I can 
as one person make this change if I can give back a little bit imagine all these other people who think the same way and like how that's just a ripple effect of hopefully positive change so um it gives me energy and then it also in turn like all this inner work helped me like give that to others um so that's always my why <laughs> in general with anything you know whether it's my personal life or like you know how I can be more mindful of you know an underrepresented like group and like how I can be a resource to them and an advocate for them um you know it all makes the world go round and it's like one person at a time so yeah yeah that's that's a perfect answer thank thank you for sharing all of that I think that the, that was really inspiring Marcus <laughs> nodding so she agrees <laughs> Uh, totally. I am. Um, speaking of, but going along with the theme of giving back, so to speak, um, mm -hmm. since you work with a lot of university recruiters, do you have any advice that you would give to students who just graduated and are now looking for a job in kind of this weird yeah. time? Yeah. Um, and that reminds me a lot of our questions earlier about my own journey. And it is hard. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's hard. It's hard to have like this limbo of questions uh, that you're sitting in and not knowing, you know, what's in reach, what is, what's going to come within the next week for you in your life. Um, and it does seem like a huge thing to think about because it's like, okay, this decision is going to affect maybe ne my next year or so, or like the trajectory of my career. Like there's so many things to think about. Um, but if there's one thing that I've learned being on the other side, it's um, people are generally here to help. <laughs> and um, there's just so much happening in the background that candidates could not ever know about. Like there's so many business decisionings happening that are not in our control. There's budgeting stuff happening. There's referrals happening. And so while I remember applying to all these things and being rejected to 90% of them, like, I can't even imagine what, what happened in the back. But of course, all I saw was the rejection. Um, and so that, of course, got the better of me, and I'm sure a lot of other students. Um, but I think coming back to the why is like, it just seems easier said than, than done. But like, always going back to your why will help a lot. Um, in these situations, because that'll keep you grounded and, you know, more direct on, like, on a path towards something that resonates with you, rather than forcing something or, like, letting the bigger details get the better of you. Um, and so just trusting in the process is a huge part of it, and I know that's <laughs> advice given all around, but as someone from, you know, the other side of the recruiting process, especially right after college, um, just trusting in the process and it can feel like but I knew this was for me like this was meant for me um there's a lot of other opportunities um and it doesn't mean you're not gonna like get the same experience like you're just gonna see it in a different way and you'll probably still learn some of the more valuable things that like help you through your day-to-days such as how to communicate with people around you how to project manage how to be self-motivated in like a responsibility that you have. Um, so yeah, that's my, my answer to that. I hope I answered it. <laughs> I love that. I think a lot about how this job hunting process is going to look like. Mm -hmm. It's about self-motivation. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's really great advice. And also on knowing that there's a lot more going on in the background mm -hmm. besides just the rejection letter, right? We focus on <laughs> yeah. the information we're receiving, but I'm sure there's a lot more happening there. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to our why, one of my own passions is gender equality. Mm. And you're a woman working yep. in a tech company. Yeah. And we know there's a huge leadership gap in, yeah. for women in tech in generally. So what are your thoughts on it? And how do you think women can contribute to break the glass ceiling? Yeah, such a big, big question. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, the first thing that comes to mind is there are quite a few um, women leaders at Vox that I look up to very much. Um, so in a way, like, it's empowering to have that within Vox. But I do know that I've read up a lot on specifically the tech industry and how 
um, exclusive it can be sometimes, you know, and then a lot of that is understanding how it started. So, um, you know, the first pioneers of the Silicon Valley were men, typically white men. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people that fund these startups that become big tech giants, such as like, like venture capitalists are also white men. And so understanding that this is a like systemic thing um, and, and really just acknowledging that, um, that was a big part. And I know it's quite upsetting sometimes to think about how these systems are rooted like by so much history and so many decisions and so much, um, you know, like people of that caliber. Um, but <laughs> for me, it's really about showing up and not being uh, apologetic about it. And so especially at a, as a woman, understanding that like these things are happening because they probably do identify with each other. Like, you know, white men trying to start up a company like are going to go to white men who can invest in their company. Um, and so there's actually a really great book that I read called Brotopia that specifically talks about diversity and inclusion within tech and really, really highly recommend it to anyone uh, listening into this. Um, but essentially, again, breaking this glass ceiling, as you guys said, right? Um, <laughs> so giving you the cold hard facts, learning the history, but knowing how we can show up. Um, and so for me, a big passion of mine, again, as I said, is diversity and inclusion. Um, but I've sometimes found that's a little bit of a buzzword, <laughs> or at least now it's becoming a buzzword, as in like, it's like this hot flashy word, but like we don't really know what it's doing for the metrics or like how it's representing and bringing like inclusivity. And so for me, diversity without structural transformation is simply not living up to diversity and inclusion. So we can say like, oh, diverse, diverse, like diversity, yes. But like, if we're leaving that out the inclusion part, then like nothing's really happening. Um, and so I really challenge people, especially if you're early in your career listening to this, like asking what these companies that you're interviewing for are doing about it. Um, and so I, at Box, we're lucky enough to have all these employee resource groups of we call like women in tech. So this group of us spotlighting women, bringing in women speakers from other tech companies, really learning how they built their career. Um, because I think even if we want to get larger, like, and I'm definitely a victim of it, like gaslighting. So, you know, like as a woman, like we feel like, or we're made to feel like we're not as qualified, even if we are. And so sometimes I'll be like explaining something and I'm like, does that make sense? Like, do you get that? Like, did I explain it well? Like when I very well know that I did, you know? And so like not caving into the little things like that and really just taking a stand and, you know, self-advocating is a big part and it's something that I'm still learning especially early in my career is like how do I advocate for what I've done the impact that it's had and like where it can take me and like this team um, and so definitely get some women mentors in your life that can uplift you and give you their experience um, can teach you how to advocate that's a huge thing um, but also just owning up to it like we're women in tech <laughs> <laughs> and that's great like it's perspective that a man can't bring in or like for me it's like a first generation Asian American perspective that someone else who isn't can't bring in um, and so including all of these different perspectives is the bottom line and it really is what's going to make it a diverse workspace both physically mentally and like emotionally <laughs> and all that stuff so yeah Thank you. I love what you. Thank you. I love what you say about the different perspective. It always brings, like, it always reminds me of the, this McKinsey report from 2018 that says that gender diverse teams are 21% more likely to outperform their peers. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is just, it's, it's amazing to me that they could prove that with statistics yeah. because we always have known it. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think uh, it's also great advice that you should find women mentors in your career and look up to them and show up. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sabrina, you've given, I think, us and our audience so much to chew on. It's been a really fantastic conversation today um, and so much fun. 
we're wrapping things up, but we do have one more question for mm -hmm. the, for the podcast today. Um, you, you kind of, well, you almost answered. I'll explain why we, <laughs> um, we're wondering if there's anything that you're reading right now or listening to yeah. or watching that might be furthering your learning, or it could be relaxing either way, um, that you think other people should should take a look at. And um, I made a note that you recommend Grotopia. That's something that's actually been on my list. So oh, so good. So good. Up, like, oh, okay. There's yeah. credibility to it. But what are you reading now? <laughs> yeah, so plus one to Brotopia, actually plus 100, if you can. Um, it was very helpful for me because I read it once I got hired at Fox. I felt like that was a good read because I wanted to know what I was getting myself into, but also to understand the workspace as a Silicon Valley, as you know, this tech space and what I'm, I'm gonna be up to, um, what kind of work I'm gonna be needing to help in and um, the kind of, you know, just everything in general, sorry. <laughs> um, as, as in what I'm reading, um, I've been going like off and on and like alternating between like biographies and just fiction in general. Um, I've always been a big bookworm. And so I think having that like, okay, reality, this person is building up themselves. They're amazing. And then, oh, this is fun. Like this is something that's like never going to happen, but it's fun to read. Um, that kind of gives me some momentum. So I've, lately I've read like Michelle Obama's Becoming. I've read Ali Wong's Dear Girls. She's a Asian American um, from the Bay, actually, um, who's a big comedian now. Um, and then some other off books I've read are like The Girl on the Train, and now I'm reading one called Kafka on the Shore, which is just super metaphorical and just out of this world weird, but um, something that like gives me a little bit of energy. Um, in terms of listening, I do love podcasts a lot. Um, so this is actually kind of like a little bit of my dream. So thank you for making this happen. <laughs> I've always wondered what it was thank like. You. To podcast. <laughs> um, I think a good starter would be, uh, if anyone knows, like Tim Ferriss, uh, my partner recommends that one a lot. Um, he interviews just anyone and everyone that he's curious about and asks questions that genuinely interest him. So it's not very curated. Um, to get something out of the person. It's just mainly like what he think his viewers would ask this person. Um, so basic life stuff. Um, I personally listen to Getting Curious with JVN. So JVN is um, from the Netflix series Queer Eye, but he's actually way more educated than people think he is. Um, so interviewing, you know, politicians, activists, all these people that have done amazing work. And so talking about like, you know, history, like US history, like what's happening in the world right now, how to vote, like all these different topics that, um, you know, I've always wanted to devote time and learning about, but that was always a great start. So I recommend that one. Um, I also wanted to plug in that Yale is doing a free online course on <laughs> the science of well-being globally. So it's free. Um, it talks about the science of happiness and then how to actually build habits for yourself that are sustainable in the long run um, that work for you. So that's been like my little nerd thing on the side. <laughs> um, and in terms of like the anti-racist work that I'm doing right now to be a listener and a learner and just absorbing all this information. Um, I'm a big visual learner, so I've been watching a lot of movies and documentaries on it because I feel like that's a really immersive way for me to learn. Um, so if you want to get kickstarted on anti-racist um, practices now, like I recommend watching 13th on Netflix. Um, just Mercy is a movie that is free for the month of June. Um, across platforms. So whether you have Prime or YouTube or Voodoo, I think, <laughs> um, it's free. And yeah, those are a couple of random recommendations that I have. It's a lot of recommendations. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, all the knowledge. All the knowledge. <laughs> it's great. We'll definitely include those in the show notes. Um, and I think that'll be, that'll be great for everyone to hear. Mm -hmm. well, Sabrina, thank you so much. This is yeah.
Um, happy to make your dreams come true. Um, <laughs> uh, it's been a real blast. Thank you for having me. This was very fun. Um, I hope I've, again, to the wide provided value <laughs> in its purest form. Um, it is very thematic, but I do feel like it's quite a big guiding principle in my life. And, and the great thing is everyone can just cater it to their own core values. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. I myself learned a lot from you right now. So I'm sure the <laughs> audience will as well. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> thank you guys so much. And that wraps up today's podcast episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And remember that you can find Leverage Your Potential on our blog site or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, save Apple Podcasts. They're taking a really long time, but definitely Spotify. So thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leverage Your Potential podcast. Episodes are posted weekly and can be found on our blog at blog.menlo.edu slash career dash services slash. Make it a great day.